This is episode 37 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. Hi, dear ones, it's Anna, the resident intuitive healer and witch over at sensitivityuncensored.com. Each new and full moon, I'll bring you the voices of sensitive, empathic, and creative pioneers starting conversations to lift up the voices of sensitive souls who have a piece of the solution to help us all evolve out of the limiting patriarchal structures that bind us and start to create a new world that values us all. Welcome to the Soul of Sensitivity. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soul of Sensitivity. It is officially the second year of this podcast, and I could not be more thrilled. I am so grateful to you who listen, who comment, who rate, review, for my patrons who help pay for the financial support and give me the wiggle room to do this podcast. Thank you so much for all of you. Before I forget to thank you to my newest patron, Amelia, who donated at the $10 a month level. Um, super, super grateful for your donations, your rates, your reviews, your comments, your follows, all of those things. So thank you for making this podcast possible. As promised in my season two finale, as I move forward in this podcast, I'm going to have some spaces where I'm talking about the natural rhythms and things that you can do to be syncing yourself to natural rhythms. And in fact, this podcast is coming out on Saturday, January 25th, at least here in Seattle time in the Northern Hemisphere, and um, in alignment with the new moon. And there happens also to be a total or a partial, rather, partial solar eclipse on that day too. So in just a minute, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's available in terms of those lunar presences, those astrological presences. Um, But we're in this kind of luminal time right now between winter solstice that happened on December 21st and the holiday that's known as Imbolc, which is February 1st, February 2nd. In our colonized culture, this is, you know, thought, this is, we are told that this is a time of revving up, that we get to the end of the year and then we start the new year, we hit the ground running, right? We are encouraged to join gyms, to make resolutions, or we can... You know, those of us who are spiritual are often told to make intentions. We must make intentions for the new year. Um, but, but we are, in this, you know, in this colonial way, we are taught to make progress. Push, push, push. This is the time for setting up for the new year. And I'll admit on some level, you know, with such a strong cultural agreement, there's a bit of energy to do that, right? It's like everybody's doing it. It's kind of easy to do that. I mean, I've fallen into that a bit too, where I'm looking ahead to the next year. But traditionally, in more ancient times when we were more connected to the rhythms of nature, in the times that were back and back and back, this is the space between 
this is that time between you know when the when the the earth gives starts to give birth to to the light and when the lightness actually happens <laughs> and so it's this space that hangs between time and you may have felt this i have felt this and this is part of the reason we're talking about natural rhythms now is that as highly sensitive people, we're highly attuned to these things. We just might not know about them or have words for them. But this is actually a time when we are encouraged to tend to the seeds we have planted. We've been, we've been planting seeds all winter and at midwinter, we kind of put the seed in the ground and we started tending to it as the light came up. And we should still be tending. You know, when, when you plant a seed, you don't get sprouts the next day. You know, unless it's, I don't know, some super fast growing plant or something. But, you know, when you plant seeds, you have to water, tend, make sure the soil is right, reflect. Is there anything else that I need to be doing to make sure that this growth has the healthiest chance? And that's the time that we're in now. That's the, that's the place when we're at now. And I find too, particularly after the, uh, the rush of the holidays, as much as I tried to avoid the rush, I still, it was still stressful. After that rush, we're feeling tired. You know, some of us are feeling tired and then we're encouraged to, you know, go, 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 go. That is the message of our colonious patriarchal culture that is the message that we go 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 that resting is weak sensitivity is weak you know all those things so if you're feeling that if you're feeling this this kind of luminal time if you are sensing that on a deep level I invite you to embrace it I invite you to embrace that this is that time and it's a really lovely time to take advantage of particularly with some of the energies we have happening starting January 5th today, if you're listening that to this on the day that it's released. This time, this January 5th, is a new moon and a solar eclipse. New moons are when the moon is dark, and that's associated with the time of new beginnings. It's really a time to make magic. This is a time where you plant seeds, where you, you know, you do set intentions for the next phase and you slowly, gently start to tend to those intentions as you rev up toward the full moon that happens about two weeks later. We're also having a partial solar eclipse. Now, I'm not an astrologer, and so there are a lot of astrological websites that you can receive more information on the solar eclipse and the different planetary alignments that are um, that are at play here. But as a basic overview, this combination of the new moon and partial solar eclipse, there, there's something that lends towards understanding, finding, and deepening our soul purpose and our destiny, taking that to the next level. So whatever it is that your soul that you at your soul level is built to do, this is the time when you need to deepen that to 
deepen your knowledge, to deepen your wisdom, to expand on a particular aspect of your soul's destiny and start to take some of the actions to, to move forward in that. In any sort of eclipse, it means that something is hidden, right? So this is the time for, you know, really um, connecting deeply with yourself to, to figure out what is it that's just underneath the surface? What, have, what part of me has been hidden from myself? This is the time to step up and step in, to ask hard questions about your soul's work in the world. And if you're listening to me and you're like, I don't know what my soul's mission is, I don't know what my purpose is, this is the time to figure that out. All of the, you know, the, with the solar eclipse and with the lunar energy, this is the perfect time. And also being in this luminal space between solstice and in bulk, this is the perfect time to do the deep awareness work that needs to be done to figure out your mission, to figure out your purpose, your destiny. If you're needing help with that, I'm just going to put a little bit of a plug here, but the spiritual hygiene course is coming up in Seattle, January 13th. It's a Sunday, an all-day event. Those tools, they help you with boundaries. They help you with the basics of keeping your aura clean, but on a greater level, they help you come home to yourself. Those are tools that help you strip away all of this noise that you've been listening to about who you are, what you're supposed to do, all those things, they help you strip that away and get down to your soul's voice, to hear your soul's voice and get down to that level. So there are a lot of rituals that you could do on, on Saturday, on January 5th, along with the new moon and the partial solar eclipse. And if you don't have the times for these in your area, I really recommend that you pick up I mean, you can Google it also, but look at the times that the moon goes, that the moon is new and when the partial solar eclipse is in the Pacific Northwest, where I'm at in Seattle, the new moon reaches, um, is in Capricorn at 528 p.m. and the partial solar eclipse is at 333 a.m., both of those on Saturday the 5th. There are many rituals that you can do on the new moon, um, but this is a really, really great time to set intentions to plant seeds. So what I've done today for all of us is a little ritual where I use some sound healing and some, uh, uh, I pulled some oracle cards for us to deepen um, my, my, hmm, how do I say this? My thought process was, or not even my thought process, but what I felt was necessary was to deepen just this information that I'm giving you with a bit of an oracle here about um, what needs to happen. And so my intention as I pulled these cards was holding the energy of the listeners, holding the, holding the energy of you um, while I pulled these cards. Um, I am using, do, 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 hold please. I am using the Illuminated Earth Oracle. I just picked these up um, around the solstice time. Um, they are by Claire Mack. 
think they're brand new. Oh my God, I love them. Claire Mack, if you're listening and <laughs> on the random chance that you listen to my podcast, um, we need to talk about your deck of cards because they're amazing. Um, so I use these, this deck and the way that I work is I go into some sound healing first, um, for myself to vibrationally, um, come into a nice place. I talk to spirit, I get into that sort of place and then I shuffle cards and pull. So here's, here, here's what I got. So the first card I pulled, um, the word is deluge and it just looks like this rain cloud just dropping this like massive storm on the land. And the, the message or that the I received with this card was, get ready, here comes information. Is the soil ready to hold it? So this is a time when you have access to information. This is a time when you have access to information about your soul, your path, your purpose, what seeds are needed to move forward. And this card asks, are you ready? Because information is coming. Have you prepared the soil? Have you tilled it? Is it ready to hold all of this information? You need to get rid of distractions. You need to provide for the time, for the space to allow yourself to hold information. So can you clear some space in your calendar tonight, right after the, the new moon? Can you tend to yourself, to your body, to your psyche, clear out distractions so that you can hold what is coming? That's the first step. The second card that I pulled was childhood. And I love this card. I get tingles when I, um, as I'm reading it now, but the But the message that came for me with this card is the answers have always been available to you. You have known your soul's purpose since you were born. In fact, you created your purpose before you came here and you had much easier access to it before you became an adult with responsibilities and conventions and, you know, language even. Can you find that childlike, playful, dreaming state that you had in childhood. When those summer afternoons stretched out so long that sometimes you just laid on the floor and you weren't sure if you were sleeping or awake, but you were relaxed, there was nothing to do. That's when that information comes. So along with tending to the soil, finding an activity that allows you to be playful, to access the state that was nearly always present or you know, depending on your childhood, it was present. It was much more reachable for us to know exactly what we were here to do before we were told all of the shoulds, right? These damn shoulds. And then this last card that I pulled is fire is the word. And when I look at this card and the sense that I get inside is that this is about transformation, When we look at the new moon, we're looking at an entire cycle. We're looking up not only to the crux of the full moon, but also all the way to the next new moon. We're looking at the cycle. And depending on planetary alignments, we could be looking further too. But the sense that I get is you have the energy available in the cosmos to make shit happen. So if you prepare the soil, if you allow yourself the time, the space to hold information, if you can get in that childlike space, if you can play or dream or color 
or, you know, Jesus, I don't know, finger paint. Whatever you did when you were a child, lay outside and look at the sky. The seeds will be planted. Your soul will hold that knowledge that comes, the wisdom that comes. And you'll be able to take fiery, transformative action. So you need to be present. You need to respect that childlike aspect of yourself that had information. And then hold yourself in integrity for answering the call of your soul. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you for this new moon. I hope you enjoy it. A couple things before we move into my interview today. It's going to be a really fun interview, actually. It's about relationships. But a couple things I have to tell you that's really important. First of all, if you're listening to this bright and early on the morning of January 5th, know that at 10 a.m., I'm having a website launch party because my new website hip hip array is finally out it's so exciting it looks much more in alignment with the work that you've come to associate with me in this past year at least so if you are oh, if you are what am i trying to say if it's before 10 a.m pacific standard time on january 5th and you want to come to my lunch party join me on instagram my uh, handle there is sensitivity underscore uncensored. If you join myself and the amazing Rebecca Woodmass of QueerIT.co, then you will be uh, able to pick up some awesome prizes. You'll be entered into a drawing to win a bunch of prizes from me and from Rebecca. So please come and help me celebrate. That would be amazing. I would love that couple other things are shifting. It is the new year after all. And really, it's just it, there were some, it was time to make a few shifts. So the first is the shift to the website. Um, the second thing is that this is not necessarily a shift, but that my spiritual hygiene course is happening in Seattle, January 13th. It's a Sunday all day long. And I've got more spots. Is one of them yours? Again, if you need help getting into your purpose, finding yourself, having a practice that helps you do awareness in a fun way, and when I say fun, I mean I will have crayons and I will tell dirty jokes. It's going to be fun. Trust me, ask any of my students. I'm not too too bad of a teacher. This is a really, really great course to teach you how to keep your aura clean, clear, keep you separate from others, and more importantly, separate from the bullshit that tells you who you need to be. Because you know what? Our world is just not going to survive with all of us maintaining the status quo. So these are some of those tools that help you bust out of that for yourself. Yeah? January 13th, you can head over to my website, sensitivityuncensored.com forward slash school to sign up for that. The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, my membership group, is now free. Holla! It's also not on Facebook anymore. Double woot woot because I don't like Facebook. It's too busy for all of us. So I have uh, moved the refuge to Mighty Networks. I'll put a link in the show notes for you to join. I'll ask you a few questions before you join and then Viola, you're part of our network. Um, and did I say it again? It is free. 
free group for all. Please come and join us over on Mighty Networks. We're having a lot of fun. We're having weekly videos, chit chats. Every now and then I post, I give you a um, guided meditation. We're having a lot of fun. If you're a supporter of Patreon, please come over to The Refuge. If you're a member of The Refuge, consider supporting me on Patreon. See how that works? And then lastly, before we get into our interview, I have created a thing for you against the better judgment of the patriarchy. I have gone ahead and created an add-on for you. So if you want to book an intuitive reading with me, either a one-and-done-ish or um, one of my package deals, you can now add 30 minutes onto your session for $25. (laughs) Really what we're doing here, I want to extend these sessions. I want them to be 90 minutes. I already incorporate sound healing into um, the one hour sessions as needed, you know, if, as, you know, if we need sound healing in those sessions. But what I'm finding is that our nervous systems are so revved up, y'all. We need more time. We need more time for that intuitive reading piece, and then we need a good chunk of time to have you on the table so your system can relax into what we're doing. So I'm trying to make that as accessible as I can without just giving it away for free. So it might be temporary. It might go up. That price might go up in the future. But for right now, you can add 30 minutes. You can create a 90-minute session for an extra $25. So please take advantage of it. Like I said, it could go up in the future, but for now, it is there. It is for you to have. Um, and so you will find that when you go into the booking, once you've booked like the, the time that you want, it's an additional add-on. So it's within the booking um, software when you get to booking the session. That is where you will find it. All right. Today, I am talking to Kendra Charts and Francis Taven of theacrocouple.com. I was so excited to have this conversation with them. I have known Kendra for many, many years. We've had um, a lot of fun together doing yoga, doing acro yoga, and slacklining. And she and her partner, Francis, have um, a really awesome perspective on how to use acro yoga to um, help keep their relationship intact. They are two highly sensitive people, and they found that being in their bodies together and working on communication through the fun platform of acrobatic yoga is a really, really nice complement to their relationship. If you're not familiar with acrobatic yoga, it can also be called partner yoga, and it's a way to use two people to um, create a complementary practice using balances, counterbalances, doing really cool poses. And when done right, it requires an incredible amount of communication. You know what else requires an incredible amount of communication? long-term relationships, particularly when one of you is sensitive or both of you are highly sensitive. This is a topic that comes up all the time in my readings. We talk about it, um, you know, a lot because how we interact and how we, you know, are with each other in dynamics is tricky and challenging. And so what's really cool about this interview and just really cool about what Kendra and Francis are doing is that they are using this fun platform of acro yoga as a way to talk about better communication and consent between people. 
So here's the bio of Kendra and Francis. They are the founders of acrocouple.com. They're on a mission to help you connect with your body in relationships and with the earth through the joy of learning acro yoga. More than 3,000 students in over 10 countries have benefited from their teachings. They spread their messages through acro yoga retreats, online, and in-person trainings. Y'all, they do online. Kendra and Francis live in Bali, Indonesia with their pack of fostered puppies. A couple of things. Kendra and Francis, like I said, they are in um, Bali. We had a couple of gaps in the recording. So if you, I've, I've tried to edit most of them out, but if you hear a gap, just know that the, the sound gapped for a minute and then would catch up and you could hear everything. So um, I apologize for any, um, uh, any imperfections in sound quality. And also my microphone had a malfunction during the interview too. So it sounds a little bit like I'm speaking into a can. So again, I apologize for the imperfections on sound quality here, um, but that's what we've got this time. So without further ado, here are Kendra and Francis. I mean, you two um, teach acro yoga in Bali and beyond, correct? Yes. Yes. And, you know, and you've been together for a while. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. What has worked in your relationship um, as, you know, two highly sensitive people and how you work with each other that way? One of the major things for me is having integrity in ourselves and with one another. And, so, and how, how do you define that? Because a lot of people define it differently. So for, for me, it's what I believe in and why I do what I do. And maybe, and being consistent in that, mm-hmm. not going back and forth with my reasoning, my reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really honoring ourselves and each other through the actions that we take mm-hmm. collectively. So that's yeah, that- been really powerful <laughs> for me. Yeah, I'm I'm very similar to that and that's actually where I started. I I would start very like me, me, me. Like I'm sure of everything I do and I say and I have reason I can argue the, the hell out of it. Uh, Kendra will tell you that. Like I will not uh consider anything if you can't reason it to me. So it's um it, it went from there, but uh I think for me, it's, it was the other way around of not being, uh, and like I said, like actually listening to, to what I'm sensing, uh, whether, um, oh, maybe, maybe their perspective is different or they have their own reasoning that I have to listen to before I, you know, like impose my, my, my logic and my, my, uh, my own values, my own ideas, because you know, integrity, as she described it, is also very important to me. And that's actually what one of my strongest things I see for myself. It's like when I make an action, I have a reason or more than one reason, almost always. And that I understand why I'm doing it. So it's very hard for me to waver or to change my mind. Uh, that 
uh, the pros of this, it makes it clear for people uh, what I, what and who I am, but uh, also it's uh, uh, sometimes overpowering. And, uh, and I had to become sensitive, more sensitive to that uh, and, and feel when I was pretty much uh, a man handling someone or, or actually working with them, which is, uh, you know, something that comes up in, in acro as well. So that's uh, very, very important. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how these things move into acro yoga in just a minute. Um, but I love what you, you both talked about there, um, you know, kind of that starting point of um, integrity, you know, knowing what works for you. And then, um, you, you know, as, as Francis, you mentioned, like moving into your uh, sensitivity, because part of the challenge with us highly sensitive folks, right, is that we, you know, our, our nervous systems can become bombarded, can become kind of overwhelmed. And, you know, one of the ways that we get socialized to deal with that, as Francis talked about, was to become like, kind of logical, and like, just hold on to our ideas, no matter what, because that's safer. Um, and instead needing to learn to temper that, um, or we can completely freeze or go into like collapse state. And so, especially when we're working with two sensitive people who may be sensitive to different things in the environment, um, it sounds like it's, uh, you know, in some of the other podcasts we've talked about really being able to tune into the body and handle sensation in the body to, um, you know, be able to work with sensitivity. And so it sounds like we're kind of alluding to this as we move into the, the acro yoga piece, but it sounds like that's part of what both of you are working with. Yeah? Definitely. For us, I mean, on the outside, it might look like if you see it on Instagram or something like that, that it looks like just a bunch of poses on throwing people around. Um, but for us, it's really a practice of connecting to one another and really getting into our bodies and being aware of ourselves, how we move, how we work with someone else, and then being aware of the other as well. And, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's, well, I, I just love that you're talking about this. So let, let's go ahead and move there. Let's talk about acro yoga um, because you're talking about it now. Um, known as acrobatic yoga as a partner-based uh, yoga practice. Do you want to tell listeners who maybe aren't familiar a little bit about it? Sure. So there's essentially two people in the practice, sometimes three. And there's a base, which is the person usually on the bottom, on the ground, holding up the flyer. They're providing the earth or the support for the person up in the air. And that person is the flyer. And we like to say the flyer is the person who gets to dance on the feet and dance in the air. Um, and then the third person might be a spotter. And the spotter is the person that provides extra support, either through physical assisting or through an eye um, of visually assisting. 
Awesome. And so, I, I mean, I, I live in Seattle now and I met when I lit or I met you when I lived in San Diego and we were at a training where we were doing lots of acro yoga, um, except I kind of wasn't because I was injured, but you know, lots of acro yoga. And I've been, so I've been involved kind of peripherally in some acro yoga communities. And in some ways it's looked at like a sport or a physical activity. Um, and, and there are different, you know, we can talk about that in different ways. But then what I hear you saying is that it also is a practice of developing trust and working out relationship stuff with other people. Yeah. Can you talk yes. about how, how that works, like those interactions? Sure. I mean, for us, we find it's a really safe space that we can provide and cultivate the patience and love and support for each other. So we do that by moving slowly, really communicating to one another, using our breaths. We are definitely not like checklist, checklist, checklist. We have to get all these poses. <laughs> to us, it's something deeper than that and something that really allows us to cultivate the trust physically in our bodies so that we have access to the freedom to relax into trust with the partner as well. And we find that this type of practice is a really great place to start cultivating that. Mm, that makes a lot of sense because you would actually you know, in an acro yoga practice, you have to be in your body, noticing what sensations are there, and then be able to communicate what you're sensing to the person who is either supporting you or who you're being supported by, in a way that they can understand. I mean, it sounds like a wonderful metaphor for all of that. Yeah, I actually, I actually find it's a wonderful metaphor for, for any relationship in life. And that's why that's the part of it that fascinates me so much. Like, it's so simple when you look at it. It's a physical action. You both know what you're trying to, to, to make happen. Um, and, you know, you can do it in so many different ways. You can, you know, power through it, which we do a lot in life. We're just like, we'll just do it. We'll just make it happen. You, or you can, you know, find really the, the technique to do it and there's also that way of me getting an expert somewhere or the best way for me is really finding the strengths of each person and bringing that together and it makes everything so easy like so effortless and things just happen and you know like that's the the thing i find rarest in actual life of like people in their relationship really working together towards what they want collectively even if it's two people that uh that don't like each other it usually becomes <laughs> like a like a fight always a fight but if we just find the time to communicate and really come to the understanding we don't like each other so we have to come to the agreement that our relationship is one of not relating so when you make that happen, then you get the goal. No one's angry. No one's fighting. No one gets hurt. You kind of find ways to kind of stay out of each other's way. Um, but, you know, if you don't like each other and you want to muscle the way, usually someone 
ends up getting hurt. But yeah, like that's what I mean. Like as far as a as analogy of, of human relationship, it acro embodies it in such a very simple, raw way that you can really discover uh, what your tendencies are and, and uh, uh, how you generally handle relationship uh, when you start practicing. And but uh, that, like you said as well, it's not always practice that way usually the goal is uh, like a checklist of like a, you know bird and then oh i can do that what's the next thing um but uh so so um if i could illustrate it in terms of yoga it's like you know why not just stretch you know but when you practice yoga you practice self-awareness and you practice mindfulness and you practice uh, being uh, sensitive to your own body, your needs, to what you can do at the present moment. And just like, it's the same to me, except extended towards the realm of relationship practice, mindfulness, uh, now sensitivity and, uh, and adjusting. Because now you're, you're not just alone, <laughs> you have someone. And then you have to listen to that feedback and act accordingly. And I feel like that's lacking a bit in, in the practice. And that's actually what we, I want to encourage together with Kenya. Yeah, you know, I've been, I've, I've been following you two online for a little while because I like, <clears throat> excuse me, how refreshing your take is on acro yoga in general. And just kind of what you were speaking to, Francis, here, where, you know, it, it it, like you said, it, it's a little bit like the power yoga scene in some ways, you know, where it's like you come in, you know, and it's like you can do all these cool things um, and you can just take it at face value, but that's not sustainable, right? Like just like going and doing power yoga every day is not sustainable, which those of us who have had injuries or been teachers can attest to performing acro yoga that way. And even that word performing, right? <laughs> you know, is not sustainable long term. And I mean, if I can even be so bold as to, I mean, I could, I can really even see this as kind of a representation of what's happening in our culture, where we don't often, especially nowadays with social media, take the time to slow down, listen and learn how to relate to one another. We don't learn, we, we don't have a lot of spaces to learn how to be in mindful relationship with each other unless we go to therapy, right? Which is a little, still a little bit taboo, but, but we don't have any other place to learn that because we only learn from our family of origin and the culture around us, which is, you know, not set up super well for mindful relationships. Um, and I've actually seen, I mean, in my practice, I've seen, you know, I see people who need, you know, want to work on relationships and those who have been hurt actually in an acro yoga community because of the way that the community is structured around doing cool poses and not around communication. So yeah. um, I, I love, I just love watching you two and love watching your site. And we've kind of covered this, but I'd love to hear from either of you, like, you know, how you're really focusing on doing it different, how you teach differently. So um, uh, it's, it's kind of been challenging to do that. 
because um, the the main draw of Acro at the moment is how amazing the things you can do is. Like you know, uh, when we're jamming somewhere or 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 performing or even training, and people is like, oh, can I do that? That's that's the question that they ask. It's like, can I do that? Uh, so. Uh, we've learned that we had to approach it in that way of like trying to find out how do we to segue into that like the, the value that you can actually get um, uh, because it started out as you know very you know uh, either aesthetic or exciting experience um, and they don't go into it with the mindset of like oh I'm cultivating awareness and everything so there, there's a there's a hurdle uh as opposed to when you when people go to yoga they already have that kind of connotation that it's also a meditative practice it's an inward practice so it's a little easier to just kind of drop in some uh some awareness uh cues and things like that and uh you know like uh, if we if we show it in a way that it's really just it's it's going to be more uh, introspective collectively as a relationship uh, it's it doesn't really draw that much people so we're trying like I'm actively trying to find uh, you know like an exciting way to, to just highlight that and and with the things we've been writing about uh, just little things you know of uh, of oh you could really work on this through acro or, or experience this or strengthen communication or sensitivity. Like we want to find uh, the people that resonate with that so we could start uh, actually growing that community because there is, uh, not, not that I know of, like a big community of that right now. It's a big community of the performing acro people. There's a big community of, of the casual acro uh, sports acro people you know and that it's very global and um but it's it's a good thing so that we're you know including talking with you and, and connecting with you you know like finding these people that actually uh can see that and resonate that with that because it's definitely something that uh, i think like it's very very useful and i actually have this this weird uh not really weird, but uh, observation re regarding to, and this is couples, uh, like that if you, you, you're a couple and you're doing acro, and if you, if you can't make your acro practice work, I always say, oh, they're going to split up soon. <laughs> and and uh, uh, success rate is, is, is very close to, to always. So... Uh, like that's that's just one thing yeah well i mean it's just like you said it's a really great metaphor like can we work together can we communicate can we solve problems right mm -hmm. yeah you know and i'll i i will definitely speak to you know what you mentioned about you know mindful relationships isn't why people are getting into acro yoga it's and so I just see that what you and Kendra are doing here, I mean, you're pioneering in the field of acro yoga, which is similar to what really all the, the, the people who have been on this podcast are trying to do is trying to change the fields that we're in. Because, yeah, I mean, you, 
you've got it. Oh, what's that old sales adage? It's like, you know, sell them what they want, give them what they need kind of a thing, you know, <laughs> where it's like, you know, it's, you know, just, you know, give them the cool poses or sell them the cool poses to get people interested and then teach it the way you teach it, teach it with, you know, the, all of that in mind, especially, I mean, not that it wasn't important before, but especially in this age, things like consent, you know, we, it's, it's, it's amazing how we don't really understand consent because we're, we haven't really been taught consent, right, from a young age. And I found, find that acro yoga is a place where you can really practice that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, like you said, it's, it's kind of uh, juvenile in terms of how formed the definition is. And uh, the way I see it, actually, even in, uh, in acro, like, it it's kind of swaying from extreme to extreme uh like uh where, where everything is assumed to where everything should be uh, always uh checked on you know and i think uh in acro it's really nice because you know when you find what works then you can collectively agree that this is this is the agreement uh and, and now we just need to to find uh, the exceptions is when when we actually have to uh, re ask for for consent because you both agree uh, on that and I think uh, it's it's finding that sweet spot all the time of of where really is the the medium where it's reasonable because. Uh, you know, if, if, if you have to ask someone all the time what they want and what what's okay with them, uh, it actually breeds chaos because you can change your mind every single time and now there's two people and that can change their mind. It changed the dynamic every single time. So usually uh, progress goes very slow or you even take a step back. But if you can both find that sweet spot and I think you could I can speak to this even in our relationship uh like he's very like schedule oriented and things like that and I'm like very like liquid and flowy and more focused on the big like goal picture and we've clashed so much in that and I feel like we've done that as well of like I've tried to adapt her her style of just having everything planned and lined up and it caused a lot of friction and she's tried working with me of not having plans at all and everything and that didn't really work either <laughs> um, and we're still trying to find like you know how much how much of each um, so that's uh, that's very interesting as far as as far as consent you know it's like to me uh, I'm seeing it more as really finding that page where you can be on that same page so you can move on to, to the next thing or, or move forward so to speak because uh, yeah sure that makes sense yeah in kind of a, a longer term partnership but and I can imagine though in the beginning working with somebody new you know refreshing those consensual boundaries can be a really really great lesson oh yeah definitely uh especially in such a such a risky practice you know <laughs> like mm -hmm. like uh consequences are instant so mm -hmm. you really have to know 
you know, the, <laughs> each other's boundaries, like who, who does what and how, things like that. Right. And I also think it's, like you mentioned boundaries. I think that it really allows boundaries to be cleared up. And for example, like when I first went into practicing, I was overly trusting and I would get hurt. So I'm like, okay, this isn't working. <laughs> I need to create a boundary for myself to keep it safe and be able to communicate yeah. with my partner and be able to listen to my partner as well with what their boundary is. And I find often that people really don't know what's going on. Um, and so we want to help people empower people so that they can stand in their beliefs, in their boundaries. And it's okay to do that, to give them permission to do that. Um, but of course, in a, in a way that's, as much as we can make it kind and respectful mm -hmm. to one another. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, you know, help and permission to be in their body and to, you know, like you said, be able to, to start to get a, a sensation and trust a, a sensation about what is going on. Yeah, and not put pressure on how fast you understand it or what, like, it takes some time and it's a journey and we're just gathering information and learning about ourselves, learning about that sensation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know we've been so programmed that like, you know, when we start an activity that moves our bodies, it's like we're on a trajectory toward competition or something, you know, it's, it's such, you know, it's so subversive to slow it down and be like, there's actually, you know, no real end point. We yeah. are using these, these poses are fun and they're exciting, but we're using them to gather information, right? You, you know, exactly what yoga teaches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's almost a direct rebellion to the dominant culture to, you know, to teach and to, to have a practice that way. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, so let's, I wanted to talk about, um, you guys have been, I mean, your website is the Acro Couple, right? Yes, yeah. the Acro Couple. And you teach in Bali mostly, but you, do you teach all over the world? Do you go other places as well? We do. We're mostly in Southeast Asia. Uh -huh. um, and also online as oh, well. Cool. That's awesome. So this is just awesome. So what do you do? What do you do or what have you done to really create lasting commitment? I mean, you talked about integrity earlier, but are there, what other things do you two practice? Well, for me, I think it's a lot of around the idea of commitment or I like to call it devotion. Um, because it just adds like this really beautiful practice and being in Bali there's such incredible devotion here as inspiration um, in the way that they practice their ceremonies and for us we're just really devoted to each other and always choosing each other and how we can be with each other even if things are going great or if there's some conflict and we have to work with it, we're always 
very present to choosing how we treat each other and how we work through things. I love that. The idea of devotion to each other, even when things are going bad, that's not easy to do. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I let you make it sound so beautiful. I imagine it's really hard in the moment. Yeah. I mean, and we've had to work on a lot of practices to have it be that way. And some of it is we have our own thing that we do. Mm -hmm. like I go take a class, a yoga class, Francis goes for a walk or whatnot. We have our own practice where we can be with ourselves uh -huh. so that we're always in a place that um, we can listen to each other when we come back together. Or, and we also have our own identities still. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, for me, like I have a tendency to shut down if I get too involved in the, the conflict. So I have to create space. Mm -hmm. I have to step back mm -hmm. and physically create space. Um, and that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. And also just communicating, like, this is a little too much for me right now. Like, ha like can we just talk about one thing or can you, I'll just listen to you. Um, so that space aspect is very helpful for me, but I have different ways of handling it than Francis does, but we found ways that, um, that work together for us. And that's, it's so important, you know, per, I mean, for anyone, but particularly, particularly when we're sensitive, you know, to notice what our nervous system is doing. Okay, I'm going into collapse state, I'm freezing. There's no more input. I can get no more input. So yeah. space. that's been one of the things that's helped me. I tend to collapse as well. And so for me being able to say something like, I really want to come back to this, but I have to go get untriggered. Like I, I, yeah. I can't do any more and it's just, I'm overloaded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's such a yeah, helpful yeah. tool, particularly when our partner understands like, oh, she literally cannot do any more right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many levels to it and, and it's uh um, self-work is definitely important, you know, all these uh, um, uh, techniques to, to let things go, to uh, kind of reset, reground, and things like that. They're very important tools, uh, especially for, for a sensitive, because we can't control our sensitivity. All we can control is uh, what we do with the, the, the stimulus, you know. It's like, you know, I always like uh, using... Uh, Superman, you know, when he discovered all his powers, he's like overloaded, ah, you know, and he had to shut everything down, learn to, uh, to focus. Like mm -hmm. I focus on one thing, you know, yes, I can hear everything, but my brain has that power to focus. And that's really actually very important. And then as far as, you know, that self-work, it, it, it changes when you put it into a relationship. Uh, it's, uh, you can't just start ignoring the other person because you have to do your own work. You have to make it known like, oh, why are you doing that? Because I want to stay in this, in this working relationship, in this romantic relationship, in this friendship, whatever. You have to communicate that so that your goal is not just selfish of I want to stay uh, sane, <laughs> but you also have that uh, goal of 
I, I'm doing this because I want to stay calm so we can talk about it eventually. Um, and, and having that in the background, or not really in the background, it's like the backbone. Like even when you're angry and everything, if the backbone is that you are committed and devoted, you know you want to stay in the relationship, you find all these tools so that you can stick to that. And, and uh, you know, speaking with acro terms, which I always love to do, it's like, you know what pose you're doing. Oh, I want to do uh, splits on, on your hands. Oh, I can't do splits. Okay, so let's step back. I'm going to work on my splits and then come back to you. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to find someone who can do splits and do it with that person. No. <laughs> so, because that's an option as well. Yes, that, yes. That will happen if, mm -hmm. if, uh, if your, your main, uh, you know, backbone is not to stay in the, in the relationship. If your goal is just to do the pose, then you'll find someone you can do that pose with. And that's, I think, one important thing to me. No matter how angry I get or how frustrated I get, uh, the, the back, what I always fall onto is like, what do I really want? And, and uh, or what do I choose? And that goes back to that. So then it makes me find things that I can do, what I can talk about, you know, the coping mechanisms or even just solutions, you know, up, <laughs> up front. And, and that's been a huge part of it, of like, uh, and it makes it stronger because now you have all these tools, you know, techniques that, uh, you know, oh, if this happens, I know what to do. This happens, you know, or even, even better, I don't see how that can happen because I have these things in place. You know? mm -hmm. So, yeah. Like really good things. <clears throat> awesome. And can we also just talk about how important it is for people in relationships to play together? You know, like, I mean, I don't know about you two, but uh, my husband and I definitely got into a rut of like, all we did was work. Like we worked and we strategized and we worked and we strategized. We had a child that we never played together anymore and so i mean i can the practice of acro yoga gives you a space to play also which is so important for you know serotonin and dopamine and the things that make you love each other <laughs> yeah and I, I i if you've never done it before it's also like there's so many studies that say trying something new with your partner is a great way of boosting the bond so yeah it's a really just a really beautiful light-hearted practice that allows you to feel like a kid again and to yeah. do it with your partner is amazing to play together <laughs> the best yeah it yeah. is it is yeah we were doing it for a while when we lived uh, we moved to, away now but we live next to an acro yoga space for a while and we were going i don't think every tuesday night or something and we had so much fun it was so much fun to be able to play that way. And my husband had never done it before. You know, he had, I'd done acro yoga before very, you know, briefly, but he had never done it before. And we had so much fun. Yeah, we find that it's almost like pressing a reset button in life to go and just spend an hour at a class or five minutes playing and 
what was such a big deal before, or if you're feeling super tired before, like it's just a little, nice little reset button that gives you that boost. Well, it's amazing. And, you know, unless you're doing yoga or you have kids, you never move your body that way. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we've been talking about this a lot in season two, but, you know, embodiment, being in our bodies is so important for grounding and resiliency and building capacity and all these things that we need and play. It's fun to be in your body that way. Yeah, like play, play is really, uh, you know, it's um, the opposite of, of work. You know? We all know that. So like, uh, you know, the things, unless you really enjoy your work, <laughs> which, is, which is awesome. Uh, but work usually is a lot of effort and, and, uh, and you get tired and you feel that tiredness. Uh, when you play, you get tired, but you only feel that when you're done playing. It's like, uh, it's, it's energizing tiredness. I don't know how else to say it because uh, it refreshes your body. It gets your blood going. Uh, you're excited. You don't worry at all. Uh, you just enjoy it. Um, and it's definitely something, you know, like, like uh, for, for adults you know, that brings back how it feels as, as a child. Of like, oh, I can just do things. I don't have to... Uh, worry so much and stress so much and i've actually have have gotten that uh, challenge uh, because i like to work a lot and train a lot uh and i always kenja always like can we just do something easy <laughs> you know? <Have> fun. <laughs> <Have> fun. <laughs> can, we just, can we just play yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. And, and I love how this practice, you know, helps you feel confident and trust in your body. And you mentioned that you have a few tips, some things that people can do to, you know, right now, even to feel confident and trust in their body. Do you want to share those with us? Yeah, so one of my favorite ways is to actually just move your body in any way. Just get up five minutes, just move around, dance, put on your favorite music, stretch, walk, whatever, just get moving because it's the number one way to connect back to yourself is to physically get back into your body and move it. Yes. And for me, it's also sleep. <laughs> so just taking a little nap, you can do that right now if you even have just a few minutes. Gosh, you know, yeah, movement and naps, right? If we could just do yeah. movement and naps, I, that's all. Basically, all I did my holiday: movement and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also just realizing that when when you move your body, uh, it, it builds your awareness of being in your body, and you're just like a, you know, I'm always uh, looking when I make a movement. I was like, wow, I can actually do this. And when you explore these even weird movements, you know, like uh, climb something, uh, and then you you actually, because uh, I think the pitfall for us humans is that we we mindlessly do something and we end up taking those things for granted. Like oh, you know, like I I can write with a pen, and then you know I hurt my finger. Now I can't do it, and it's so hard. And it's like I wish I could use my finger again. Uh, of really just appreciating that 
that actually, I think, gives you confidence of like, you know, of the things you're actually able to do. Uh, I can run. Wow. <laughs> so maybe I can go a little bit further than that because this I can do pretty easily. And, you know, <laughs> even dancing, like we, we, Kendra takes me to a dance class. I'm like, oh, I, I could actually pull some of this off. And so now I have a little more confidence with, with doing some things like that where, where I thought, like, no, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I go from no to like, oh, we could actually incorporate some of that in, into a flow or something uh, or, or make a move out of it or something like that. So it's, I think it, it is so important to, to connect to your body and, and pretty much just realize that it's there, that it's not just, you know, doing what you're telling it to. Like it's, it's you, you're making that happen. You can make that happen. And it has also that it has so much potential of what it can do. And I think that's where the confidence comes from. Like, you know, you can do more than what you've always just been doing. Yeah, and I love how, you know, just like yoga, acro yoga, it's not all, you know, big acrobatics and, you know, like power stuff all the time. It has um, relaxing practices too, therapeutic type practices for those, you know, rhythms where you're feeling a dip in your energy and you need to relax and to stretch and to, to recuperate. It, it provides for that as well, um, which, is, which is just awesome. So you two are in Bali. You are at acrocouple.com. You have an awesome gift for our patrons uh, this month, which is Acro Yoga for Complete Beginners. I'm super excited about that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so it's a two-part course, and it's a video course, and it's going to be all about mastering the basics for building confidence and creating connection. So we'll talk about some of the aspects of creating that connection and confidence. Um, and then in the second part, we're going to get into the actual physical body and we'll teach you several different poses to get you started. That's awesome. I can't wait. That's gonna be fantastic. And you guys do retreats, you host retreats in Bali, don't you? When do you host most of your retreats? We actually are going to be hosting retreats in the Philippines. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, in Sargao, Philippines. And we'll be doing that in September or October coming up this year. Oh, fantastic. So yeah. if you need a warm getaway, start marking your calendars now, setting some dates aside. That would be amazing. I will share everything else in the show notes for everyone who wants to get in touch. Remember everyone listening that they do, that Kendra and Francis do online teaching as well. That's super, super exciting. Um, but for both of you, I'll ask you each, what's the one thing you, you would like our listeners to know? Well, for me, you know, like uh, when you just, uh, especially if you're sensitive, I think, you you also you you should know and be sensitive to your own potential like uh, you can do so many things on yourself by yourself but you could do even much much more if you 
work on having a good and mindful relationship, like any any relationship, the partner, even with your friends, anyone really. Uh, you could make so much more bigger things happen, more effective things. That's really what I what I want people to know. And I want people to know that the power of nurturing your body and getting into your body um, and building that relationship. So whether that's through sleep, through movement, through massage, um, food, just really how important the physical body is to our well-being, to our confidence, to our own empowerment. Awesome. Thank you, Tus. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to The Soul of Sensitivity. Show notes, links, and references from today's episode can be found at sensitivityuncensored.com. If you'd like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn about my membership group or school, please visit my website at sensitivityuncensored.com.